Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. As Russia concentrates its troops up there in the northeast of Ukraine to the, towards the south, the Ukrainians say they're making progress in a counter offenses that they've launched there, uh, seizing back territory that's been previously conquered by the Russians killing Russian soldiers and destroying Russian military vehicles. And so there is still very much an ebb and flow uh, in the fierce fighting that's taking place in eastern Ukraine right now. Yeah, so that same CNN report from yesterday, Ukraine making progress in the south, but uh, Russia making progress uh, farther north in the Donbass region. So to discuss that, the situation in Europe and so many other things, it's exciting. Uh, it's a pleasure to welcome the Armstrong and Getty Show, Admiral James Stavridis, who spent more than 30 years in the U.S. Navy, rose to the rank of four-star admiral, became Supreme Allied Commander at NATO, and has a brand new book to risk it all nine conflicts in the crucible of decision. Admiral, welcome. How are you, sir? Doing wonderfully. Thanks for having me on to both of you, Jack and Joe. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure you've got better sources than us for information. Where do things stand right now with the Russia-Ukraine situation? I would say we are at a pivotal moment. And what I mean by that is Vladimir Putin's plan A, which was to sweep across this entire vast country the size of Texas and simply conquer it, that has failed. It's failed utterly. There's no way he can reconstitute plan A. So the pivotal moment 
is now he has moved to plan B, which is to pack his forces into the southeast corner of the country, try and create a, a greater critical mass of combat capability. And he's now throwing that at the Ukrainians. Um, they are making progress slowly, they, the Russians. But uh, we in the West are continuing to give the Ukrainians the weapon systems they need. I think ultimately they will be able to uh, halt the Russian advance. We'll know more over the next couple of months. Pivotal moment in the battle. How how do does each side stand in terms of reserve personnel, equipment, uh, ability to endure over the longer term? Yeah, this is a marvelous question we should probably get you into the pentagon as a planner that's the right thing to be asking (laughs) right now and i'll put it this way russia is just a much bigger country its population is three times the size Um, they have a very capable military although they've not done uh, as well as many expected they would against the ukrainians on the other hand the ukrainians while they have a smaller population are utterly devoted to the task, if you will. And, you know, the title of the book you mentioned, thank you, is To Risk It All. For the Ukrainians, they are risking it all. When they look over their shoulders from those front lines, who do they see behind them? They see their wives, their children, their elders, their parents, their cities, their civilization, their language. All of that is on the line. So even though they're smaller, they don't have the reserves to draw on, They'll get support from the West, and my money is on the Ukrainians, ultimately. Interesting. Um, We have uh, used your quote many times, you saying that uh, um, something along the line that uh, logistics eats strategy for Mm. breakfast. Um, you know, the, 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 the supply chain and all that sort of stuff is really what matters. I got to believe the Ukrainian side has practically an endless supply coming from us and NATO, right? They really do at this point. And they also have that logistics expertise that the United States has built up over decades of combat operations on the Russian side particularly at the beginning of this invasion, they were stretched very thin across the north and the eastern parts of Ukraine. That problem's gotten better for the Russians. Why? Because they're in a much smaller area to the south now. But it's still quite challenging, and the Russians have not demonstrated good logistics. And yes, uh, logistics eat strategy, I'll say for lunch, but, you know, probably for breakfast, too. (laughs) Um, As a former NATO commander, where have you been on this whole thing of are we supplying the Ukrainians the right amount, too little, too much? Are we risking the war becoming NATO versus Russia? Where, Where have you been on that conversation? I think we were probably a bit timid at the beginning, but we are now probably 80, 90 percent of where I would be recommending uh, the United States be if I were still Supreme Allied Commander in NATO. And so what we are not providing them that I think we should strongly consider would be uh, fighter aircraft. And the Poles operate uh, something called the MiG-29, which the Ukrainians know how to fly. They are flying their own MiG-29s. The Poles are willing to give those up. U.S. could backfill those with F-16s. I think that's one additional thing we should be doing. And then second and finally, we should be offering them more 
multiple launched rocket systems, MLRSs. These are surface-to-surface missiles that can strike against uh, Russian logistics uh, supply lines. I think other than that, we've given them everything on the shopping list, and that's why they're uh, in the position they are now, as opposed to having been overrun two to three months ago. Admiral James Stavridis is on the line. We're talking about his book, To Risk It All, Nine Conflicts in the Crucible of Decision, among other things. Uh, Admiral, what have we learned about the Russian armed forces from the private toting a rifle on the front lines up to the, the top leadership? I think we've learned three things, and none of them speak well for the Russian armed forces. First, we have learned that they, as we just discussed, they don't have the back office. They don't have the logistics. They don't seem to be able to move ammunition, food, fuel, uh, electricity, lighting, medical. They just don't seem to be able to put all that together and move it forward. Secondly, uh, as you mentioned, the private on the front lines, what we've seen is their extreme unprofessionalism, many of them conscripts. They don't seem to know what they're fighting for. They're committing war crimes, rape, looting, pillage, murder. These are realities. We have videos galore of them simply turning into ninth century uh, barbarians in the battlefield. That's not what a professional military does. And third, um, the generals are not performing very well. And, you know, I get it. There's nothing that uh, admirals like better than criticizing generals, right? <laughs> but uh, these generals uh, have generated, thankfully, I suppose, a terrible battle plan. Um, it's not coherent. It's not organized. They're not succeeding, despite the fact that they outnumber the Ukrainians so significantly. So uh, we have discovered the Russians are not 10 feet tall. They're not eight feet tall. They're probably not even five feet tall in terms of their combat capability. Hey, I got another question about the uh, decision making that happens there in Russia and how much of it is on Putin and what you think he is, uh, what his mindset is currently. We're going to take a break. If you can stick around for a little bit and we'll get back into the discussion in your book. Is that all right? Of course. Awesome. Um, yeah. Is, is Putin crazy or not? We'll let the Admiral weigh in on that, among other things. Coming up. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Admiral James DeVritis has a new book out to risk it all. Nine Conflicts in the Crucible of Decision, which sounds just terrific, and the reviews have been great. Uh, The Admiral... Uh, rose to the rank of four-star admiral in the Navy and was Supreme Allied Commander at NATO, previously commanded U.S. Southern Command, and he joins us now. Admiral, we appreciate you sticking around. My pleasure, guys. So you, um, uh, last segment, we were talking about the lack of professionalism of the Russian military and the rapage, raping, pillaging, and plundering that they do, but we knew that. We'd seen them do that in Syria and and heck, they did it a hundred years ago under Stalin to the same people in Ukraine. That is, for some reason, part of their culture. But uh, so that n- is not surprising to Putin, probably. But do you think Putin himself was surprised by the supply chain problems and just you know lack of strategy and stuff like that? Do you think he's as shocked as the rest of the world? I do. I think he was handed effectively a bill of goods by his senior military officers, and uh, they have failed him. 
And, uh, you know, thank God uh, that they have failed. But I think without question, Putin felt his army was going to easily roll over the entire country. And so he was willing to risk, you know, to risk it all. Like the the book we're talking about, he's capable of rolling those dice. Um, And he's he's on the reckless side of things. Interesting. Let's uh, let's turn homeward uh, halfway first and then uh, all the way to the United States military. But what's your current assessment of NATO, its strengths, the way it's changed over the course of the last year in particular? Um, let's do the numbers. So um, the combined defense budget of NATO is nine hundred billion dollars. Uh, the majority of that, of course, is the United States. But collectively, the European defense budget is the second largest budget in the world, well ahead of China and Russia combined. So it's a resource rich alliance. We have three million men and women under arms. Almost all uh, are volunteers. Only less than a million of those, by the way, are from the United States. Um, the two million come from the European side of the house. And then thirdly, more ships, aircraft, uh, 800 ocean-going ships, uh, 15,000 combat aircraft. Um, so it's a very strong alliance. And it's Achilles' heel, where it can fail, is on uh, cohesion, on hanging together. But in the case of Putin's invasion of Ukraine, so far the alliance is holding together very well. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the United States military, in particular the Navy. Full disclosure, my brother is a career naval officer, active duty as we speak, uh, in the submarine service specifically. Um, and and there have been a number of incidents in recent uh, years, whether ship collisions or failures of uh, training, that sort of thing. Uh, what's your assessment of the United States Navy as it stands? What does it need to do? Where does it need to go from here to remain the premier naval force on Earth? Well, first and foremost, um, we have one huge advantage, and and you'll know this knowing your uh, relative who's in the Navy. We have an ethos. We have a history. We have a long tradition stretching back through the Second World War all the way back to John Paul Jones, one of the characters I talk about in To Risk It All. Um, So that's on our side. But we don't have enough ships. And um, any reasonable analyst would tell you we need 350 to 370 warships. Today we have around 300. China has uh, about 360. China has more warships than the United States. So I think we have training and capability and our nuclear submarines are the best in the world, our powerful aircraft carriers. But um, quantity has a quality all its own. And uh, therefore, I think we need to add more ships if we're going to maintain that kind of global Navy that we need. Do you think a point of conflict, like actual kinetic conflict, is coming between us and China in the sea? I wrote a novel about a year ago, which was on the New York Times bestseller list. It's called uh, 2034, a novel of the next world war. And it's it's a cautionary tale uh, about the possibility of a kinetic conflict between the two powers. I don't think it is uh, the main chance, but I think that there's a significant possibility. And if it comes, it'll come in the South China Sea uh, over Taiwan, the Strait of Taiwan, and China's claims of ownership over that vast body of water. 
You know, we've been talking about this, the situation in the South China Sea since it began, the, the building and militarization of those islands. And it's just, it's outrageous, and it goes to show what a power can get away with if they can get away with it. Um, is there anything we could have done, should have done, can do now about China building a string of military bases and, and then claiming that as their own territory? What we need to continue to do is to challenge them, and the way to do that is to deploy our ships into this big body of water. As you know, the South China Sea is huge. It's half the size of the United States of America. It's enormous. And as you correctly point out, they've now built uh, seven artificial islands. And so what we need to do is sail our ships in close proximity to those islands. These are called freedom of navigation patrols. And we need to get our allies to come with us the Brits, the French, the Indians, the Australians have all conducted these patrols with us. We need to show a unified face to China that says, no, you do not own the South China Sea. And are we not doing that? Or are our allies hesitant to do that? Our allies are beginning to do more of that. And it's going to require continued pressure from the United States. Um, I think that the the degree to which we can succeed in facing China in what is, let's face it, these are their home waters. It's the South China Sea, you know, not the not the South U.S. Sea. It's the South China Sea. Um, we're going to have to pull our allies alongside us. We've seen some patrols. I'll give you a practical example. The British sailed their brand new, very capable aircraft carrier, the Queen Elizabeth, through those waters uh, just a few months ago. We need more of that from our allies. Hey, I want to jump back to uh, Russia real quick before we run out of time. Putin, how uh, how rationally is he? You know, I don't know, clinical definition of crazy or whatever, but I, I can't imagine any good outcome at this point. How could he possibly think he's going to get a good outcome? So, one, like, how smart is he at strategy and being a military leader? And how rational is he, do you think? I think Putin is not crazy. I mean, this is not, you know, mad King George with nuclear weapons, but he is angry. You are absolutely correct. He's deeply frustrated at this point. He's starting to see the walls of the room close in on him. And we would be smart to uh, keep a close eye on his stability. I don't see him reaching for the lever to the apocalypse, launching a nuclear attack Um, He loves his country. He likes his life. But like anyone, when you put someone in a corner, you need to be careful about um, their state of mind. So bottom line, uh, Putin is not crazy, but he's angry and frustrated and therefore unpredictable. Admiral James Stavridis' new book is To Risk It All, Nine Conflicts in the Crucible of Decision. It sounds uh, terrific, and we absolutely enjoyed the conversation. I hope we can do it again. Love to, guys. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been under a lot of pressure, but I think the leap from the way you feel then to crazy is pretty short. I mean, in terms of rational decision-making and everything. Oh, yeah. A rational person can make irrational decisions under the right pressures. Happens all the time. (laughs) If you miss an hour of the show, you can uh, get Armstrong and Getty on demand. Maybe you get our website, armstrongandgetty.com. Much more on the way. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. It's a big weekend in the sports world, too, because this Sunday is the Indianapolis 500. So between Memorial Day travel and the Indy 500, gas should be $32 a gallon by Tuesday. Yes, people doing the Indy 500. The car uh, pulled over and lapped 325, said, I just I can't afford it, and took public transit for the rest of the... For the rest of the race, um, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see the the the, the lifestyle changes that are going to happen later this summer if gas does what everybody's predicting, and that is go up a couple, like another dollar and a half or so. I don't I don't know what that's going to do. Yeah, I don't either. Honestly, the cascading outward costs, you know, diesel fuel being as expensive as it is. Uh, I mean, it's all going to combine. Sure. 
Sure. And uh, we mentioned earlier the, the good news on inflation is while everything got more expensive again in the last month, it grew f- not as fast as it has been, which is, man, you're really looking for some sunshine in the clouds on that one. Yeah, let's hope it's peaked, you know, start settling down again. But I would say one month does not a trend make. No, no. Well, if it, if it, if it is peaked and it stops today, that's no good. It's got to go back down. Right. Right. Agreed. Yeah, 100%. So there's an article in the New York Times that is um, it, it's it's half um, uh, a good sign and half a joke. What Leah Thomas could mean for women's elite sports by one Michael Powell. Uh, among other things you should listen for are the utter disingenuousness or ridiculousness of the arguments that some people are making in favor of biological men competing against women's sports. Uh, and by the way, it's worth mentioning, the term biological man is uh, where you shouldn't use it. It's transphobic, according to some of these lunatics. So anyway, it opens up with the description of uh, women on the Princeton University team watching Leah Thomas, who is in their uh, conference, uh, swimming for the University of Pennsylvania. That's the uh, biological male transgender woman person uh winning meet after meet beating olympians and breaking records and they were getting frustrated and angry and they met with robin harris executive director of the ivy league athletic conference um and they said look the by and they detailed the biological advantages possessed by transgender female athletes which everybody knows by the way to ignore those they said was to undermine a half century fight for female equality in sport ms harris had already declared her support for transgender athletes and denounced transphobia and said somehow uh, the question of uh, women in sport has become a culture war. You know, it's not really. Uh Wow. It's not. It's a very, very simple question. They mention the the debate that focuses on science, fairness, and inclusiveness. It's cut to the core distinctions between gender identity and biological sex. Ah, here's the other side of the New York Times article. It takes them a while, but they end up being honest. Appreciate it. And they mentioned that this debate is rippling from pools to weight rooms to tracks to cycling courses and rugby pitches where it's especially ugly, by the way. If you've ever seen a biological male run roughshod over women rugby players, it's brutal. If you enjoy watching men brutalize women, it's a good sport. Uh, Sebastian Coe, Olympic champion runner, head of World Athletics, recently said, quote, gender cannot trump biology. But the ACLU offers a counterpoint. It's not a women's sport if it doesn't include all women athletes, they tweeted. Leah Thomas belongs on the Penn swimming and diving team. Um, So the ACLU, with all of their lawyers and wordsmiths and, and everybody else, their argument is we're right because we're right. It's not a woman's sport if it does include include all women athletes. That is absurd. So some of the quotes pulled out of the, that article, Dr. Michael Joyner of the Mayo Clinic said there are social aspects to sports, but physiology and biology underpin it. Testosterone is the 800-pound gorilla. You see the divergence immediately as the testosterone surges into boys and they start to separate in sports, you know, around whatever, age 12, 13. Well, yeah, yeah, he's talking about how girls beat boys in adolescence. 
Yeah, but then as soon as, as puberty happens, it's over. Yeah, do you remember that? The girls were faster and everything like that when you're in, like, third grade, fourth grade, or whatever? Um, and they go on to describe how, uh, because they removed a lot of the testosterone from Leah Thomas, yet he continued to do very well. Among men, he was ranked 554th and 32nd in two different races. Among women, he was ranked 5th and 8th. Leah Thomas is the manifestation of the scientific evidence said a sports physiologist. The reduction in testosterone did not remove her biological advantage, getting to the physiology that you bring to the table, even if you remove the testosterone. Right. And there have been study after study. The the British military famously did a study that showed even years after, after years of uh, hormone treatments, whatever, the people who went through puberty as males had a significant advantage over the biological females. So, you know, Leah Thomas can say, for instance, I'm a woman, so I should be on the women's team. Uh, and that's lovely. And I don't want anybody to oppress you or hurt you or keep you from pursuing a job or your constitutional rights or anything like that. But the idea that you should be just utterly dominating biological women in sports is absurd. And, and I would love to see a poll of that among people, particularly if after you quote, I mean, for instance, the uh, the uh, sports physiologist who uh, who you just quoted. If you quote uh, this uh, Dr. Carol Hooven, a lecturer and co-director of graduate studies in human evolutionary biology at Harvard. I mean, it's just indisputable the biological truth. I've I've got to believe it'd be like ninety-seven to three. What people think about this? So I thought that was interesting. I said we've basically been able to do um, uh, an experiment. Not on purpose with Leah Thomas without the testosterone advantage, still having the biological advantage. Or you could look at like, isn't the average 55 year old man considerably stronger than the average 55 year old woman? And it's no longer a testosterone thing near as much as you move into the low T years. Um, It's just, you know, the physical advantages that occurred throughout life before that. Right, right. So they quote this 41-year-old elite athlete who transitioned to male, blah, blah, blah. Athletic performance depends on a lot of factors, access to coaches and nutritionists and technical skill. Yeah, okay, but that's a red herring. Uh, as Dr. Carol Hooven from Harvard mentioned, activists conflate sex and gender in a way that's really confusing. There is a large performance gap between healthy, normal populations of males and females driven by testosterone, etc., and they mentioned the sprinter, and this is the New York Times. It took a long time to get there. It's toward the bottom of the article, but they're finally honest. The sprinter, Allison Felix, I, I remember, won the most world championship medals in history. The most in history. Her lifetime best in the 400 meters was 49.26 seconds. In 2018, 275 high school boys ran faster. Wow, that's incredible. This is not an argument. There are not two sides to this argument. There is science on one side, and there are greeting card slogans and weird feel-good twists of the truth on the other. It's time to end this idiotic discussion and let biological males compete against biological males, females, females. If you're transgender, form your own league. You don't get to whoop up on biological girls. Holy crap. And and as you pointed out, it's not a culture war thing. No, no, it's not. They're trying to make it a culture war thing because then it gets all muddy. And I don't know, maybe it's it's evil conservatives who are transphobes. I don't know because it's just a culture war. No, it's not. 
No, it's not. Oh, by the way, probably worth mentioning that uh, Top Gun Maverick, which is a good old-fashioned testosterone flick, just blew away all the woke movies at the box office and just crushed it. Crushed it! (laughs) So, a quick word from our friends at Simply Safe Home Security. The best uh, security system you can buy. Uh, interesting story about this gal, Chronic Sleepwalker. Uh, she had a Simply Safe entry sensor on her front door, not only to keep people coming into the house at night, which is something we all want, but to make sure she didn't wander out. And indeed, it woke her up and saved her from God knows what. Yeah, you want an alert when people are trying to get in, you want an alert when people are trying to get out, and all the other things that Simply Safe can do for you. There's a reason that a whole bunch of different organizations have named it the best home security system you can get. And you can afford it. You set it up yourself in about 30 minutes. It's less than a dollar a day. You're not locked into a contract, which I think is a tell. A lot of these companies want to lock you into a two-year contract. Then they don't have to worry whether you like it or not. And, you know, for me and my needs, I love the uh, wireless outdoor security camera, high def, night vision. No rando is going to approach your house without you seeing a uh, face and even a license plate if the car's within range. Love that. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Go today. Claim a free indoor security camera plus 20% off with interactive monitoring. Go to simplysafe.com slash Armstrong. Alex in the newsroom saw Top Gun Maverick over the weekend, which was a giant hit. You had seen the original Top Gun, I assume, Alex? I'm a big fan of the original one, actually, yes. and uh, compare and contrast anything I should um, know? better character development in this okay. one better okay. character development throughout the film well you had, they had to you can't just lean on young hot tom cruise now that he's 65 <laughs> no, that's a good point i will say for those I, I will spoil one thing and it's the first minute of the film it's iconic in the 84 film where they were launching ships off the deck and danger zone plays in the background yeah. they recreate that scene for scene but with modern airplanes it's adrenaline-filled from beginning to end. It's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, I can imagine with the uh, advances in technology on that. Very cool. Um, is a uh, is Tom Cruise shirtless and on the beach at any point uh, playing volleyball in jeans? It's not volleyball this time. Now it's beach football. Okay. But no. Same same deal, though. Uh, it's a team-building exercise they, in the film. They yes. had to tip their cat to, cap to the famous volleyball scene. That's funny. Oh, yeah. All did. the reviews I'm reading say it's really good. I mean, it embraces the original, improves on it, and it's just big fun. I doubt I see it, but... Uh, oh, I would change your mind heartily. 96 on Tomato Meter, 99 audience score. Really? I, I nice. highly suggest everyone go see it in IMAX. Yeah. It's the way it's supposed to be seen. Huh. IMAX? They filmed it specifically with IMAX cameras I've, in the planes. I've never done that. Seen a, 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 I've only seen the you know like walking on the moon or stuff like that at IMAX. I've never seen a regular movie. I do I do need to have that experience probably with the kids. Could kids watch it? Violent sex, that sort of thing. Uh, no sex scenes. So you bring bring your kids. Mm. A little bit of coarse language, obviously throughout the fighting yeah, scenes well, or the flight scenes. But you get coarse language everywhere. Exactly. Um, no, I think the kids would love it. IMAX, I'll go see idea. it in a theater if it's empty, if there are no human beings in there. And it happens me. to be showing when you're walking by. <laughs> well, if it's in within like a half an hour of when I'm walking by, <laughs> I'm willing to you know wait a while or come back or whatever. But no human beings. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> I'm not going to take in entertainment with human beings around. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, we have much more to catch up on some of the news of the weekend. Uh, some of those economic stats. Ah, I don't want to scare you. Never mind. Never mind the economic stats. Let's all ignore those until next fall. La, 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 la. Just na, 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 pretend na, na. it's not happening. Armstrong and Getty. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I saw at least one Republican over the weekend said he was open to raising the age of rifles to 21 like we have with handguns pretty much all across the country. Um, That seems to be something that might actually happen and is something that actually would have had an effect on the last two shootings. Lots of stuff gets talked about and push toward passage that wouldn't have affected the most recent shooting that started the conversation, which has always been weird to me. Like, um, uh, what is one of those? Oh, um, a back, universal background checks would not have stopped either one of these people. Mm-hmm. Possibly red flag stuff might have, but anyway, raising the age, they, 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 they weren't old enough to buy the gun legally if it's a 21. So that might happen. I don't know what you feel about that. Uh, in Canada... 
Prime Minister Trudeau announced yesterday it will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transport, or import handguns anywhere in Canada. They're just trying to put an end to handguns, period. Wow. Anywho, a couple other things for you. Got one of those shoplifting videos that is shocking to most people anywhere in the world at any point in human history. <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. happening in a lot of West Coast cities. I guess it happened in New York, New York too. A lot of happening in a lot of big cities where people come in and just rob a store blind and then walk out and nothing happens. And everybody says, how, how is this possible? Obviously, society can't function like this. A trio of fearless thieves, and they're fearless for a reason, emptied the shelves. What are they going to fear? Exactly. Like uh, uh, tendonitis from carrying all their booty out over and over again? The video shows a trio of thieves emptying the shelves at the high-end makeup store in L.A., Sephora, which I don't buy makeup, and uh, but I know it's a really expensive stuff, so every bottle of this and tube of that that you swipe into your duffel bag is worth a lot of money, and then you go and sell it. 42nd, 47-second recording shows the crooks wearing hoodies over their heads as they grab various cosmetics, stuff them into black trash bags, just wiping the shelves. People are saying, oh, my God, oh, my blanking God, while they watch. But they <laughs> then they walk past the security guard and head on out. Because that's just the way we do it in the modern world, I guess. Los Angeles, Brooklyn. I would like to, uh, I wish I could conduct an experiment where you could go anywhere in the world or get in a time machine and go any time in the world and say to the people who you encountered, what would you think of a society where people can steal and there's no repercussion? How do you think that would go? You'd get, you know, unanimous uh, reaction. There's something. That'll never work. You were talking about it with the with the shooting and the police not going in and everything like that. There's some bigger cultural thing happening that we quite haven't wrapped our heads around yet. Just losing all our natural instincts for protection and right and wrong and yeah, I, I would say the social contract, the uh, the social compact, the idea that uh, we're in this together, we're countrymen or people in the same city. Obviously, if we allow uh, rampant thieving, we'll have no stores. There will be crime and violence everywhere. So naturally, we can't accept that. We've got to do something about it. We live in a society where you just stand back and watch the thieves. Somebody will do something about this, I suppose. I guess. I don't know. Different topic, San Francisco Unified School District is dropping the word chief in its job titles to show respect for Native Americans. (laughs) Oh, my God, I saw this story. Critics have objected that the word has nothing to do with the reference to the head of a tribe. (laughs) Critics or anybody who has an ounce of knowledge or perspective have pointed out that's ridiculous. The word is ancient. It's French, I think. It's just the boss. Right. God, you people are so stupid. You beclown yourselves so effectively day after day. Oh, San Francisco area. The elementary school principal. There's a big fight at the school. Somebody dropped an N-bomb on somebody else. She was uh, talking to the kids about that. And use the actual word. Well, now a parent filed a complaint. The school district has launched an investigation. Uh, apologies are being issued. Oh, the word is toxic. Triggers horrific experiences. Harmful. I didn't mean it. Blah blah blah. Ten years ago, nobody would have been upset. What's changed, friends? What's changed? My uh, youngest was really mad at me for something over the weekend, uh, which happens fairly regularly. But um. <laughs> 
he was calling me a variety of names. And and uh, so he's aware of the existence of an N-word, but he doesn't know what it is. But he's aware of the existence of a word that starts with the letter N that is like the worst word you can say. Right. And uh, But he doesn't know anything more than that. And he was so mad at me. He said, I would call you the N-word right now if I knew what it was. Wow. And, well. I, and I thought, well, that would be... That'd be odd. I mean, it would be, we'd have to sit down and discuss this for a long time. I mean, there are all kinds of cultural contextual issues on why it really wouldn't work. But I understand you're angry and you're trying to express how angry you are by going to the worst word you can think of. But in this particular context, I'm (laughs) not sure it would accomplish what you're hoping to accomplish. Be a swing and a miss, son. Don't bother. The fact that I'm wanting you to put the laundry away when you don't want to (laughs) is not how you use that word. You know, getting back to the shoplifting thing, how weird is it that there are societies on Earth that will chop off your hand, right? your forearm for thieving, and others where we just stand there with our finger up our nose to the second knuckle saying, there's nothing you can do about it. Well, how much of the Um, world would the the owner of the shop beat the guy practically to death with a rifle butt? And most of the the society would think, yeah, that's a pretty reasonable response because you you can't let people steal. I mean, a lot of the Virtually everywhere but here. It's incredible. If you miss an hour of the show, get the podcast Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Armstrong and Getty. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.